0: Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Popcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for April 12th, 2023. Today's topic is everything you wanted to know about AI and contact centers, but we're, but we're afraid to ask. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. You can email me at calltalk@benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at Benchmark Portal any time of the day. And with that, I would like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore.
1: Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Well, AI is the talk of the globe right now, and everyone is wondering whether to be scared or inspired, including, of course, those of us in the contact center space. Well, it turns out there's a lot to look forward to, a lot to embrace but also a lot to get prepared for. So today we'll be talking about everything you wanted to know about AI in the contact center space, but were afraid to ask. I'll be interviewing an expert on AI and my longtime friend, Mark Coudray, who will tell you about his journey with AI and how it may affect your journey as a contact center manager. Welcome to the show, Mark.
2: Well, thank you, Bruce. I'm really happy to be here.
1: Okay, great. Well. It's time for me to pose the first question, but, of course, I'm afraid to ask. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I know that you and I have been talking about this uh, artificial intelligence business ever since we worked together on a call center project some eight years ago. And we're getting into this area. And uh, we went to an IBM Watson AI conference shortly after that, which seems like a century ago now because it was before COVID, and, and you made it a point to stay up on developments in a very concrete, hands-on way. Uh, can you just say a few words about this to start off? Oh, absolutely.
2: So when I first worked with you way back in 2015, I didn't know anything about call center operations at all. And I had was working with Benchmark Portal with a client to improve their uh, sales, conversions in an outbound or an inbound call center arrangement. Um, And we created a very high converting sales model that was based on an analog approach. And I was very, very interested in trying to find ways to learn from the call recordings to automate that process moving forward. Uh, At the time I had a very naive approach uh, that led to, a lot of innovation without any kind of constraints because I didn't know any better. I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, And at that time, AI in 2015, the Watson conference that you had referred to was the year before we went. There were a 1,000 people that went to it. In 2016, the year that we attended, there were 17,000. So AI was just literally exploding on the technical level in 2016, but it was extremely hard to work with. Um, And I was incredibly impressed with what I saw at that uh, event. And that led uh, to, at that time in the call center space, what was happening with AI was very, very, very basic. It was mostly conversational IVRs. Uh, And they would understand basic commands and responses, but not much more than that. What I was doing, I was interested in semantic analysis and semantic sentiment, um, which no one was thinking about or doing anything about at that time. And as a result, uh, I kept on moving forward. And in 2017 and 2019, everything exploded that has resulted in where we are since ChatGPT showed up on the landscape on November 30th of 2022.
1: Yeah, that was just a huge uh, milestone for this whole journey and really bringing us to the ChatGPT. So Mark, how is the the GPT model impacting the contact center industry? I think everybody is aware of ChatGPT. It's been talked about all over the place. If somebody is listening right now, it's probably because they have heard about it and want to know more about it and how it's going to impact them. Uh, How do you see the the, the GPT model impacting the contact center industry and uh, people like those listening? So I
2: cannot
1: emphasize
2: enough the significance of what we're experiencing right now. If I were to put it on a scale of significance – I would say that what we've just watched was the invention of fire or the discovery of the wheel. Uh, it, it will have that large of an impact on what we're doing. And I'm not, I'm not being trivial about this. Uh, and I'm, I'm not looking at this as a threat. It's an evolution of the way that, that we approach knowledge and we deal with it. GPT is a framework. It's a universal framework that can be applied in any type of a learning model. Um, Artificial intelligence is a two-component part. The first part is machine learning. And machine learning is where we train with data some type of of a model that we want to work with. That's where the P comes in in the GPT. That is the pre-training. That's the data that we're training on and learning from. So in the call center space, we would be training on recorded calls. Right now, managers are looking for compliance issues, and they're watching how uh, agents are following through in, in terms of script alignment and things like that. All of that is being handled with a GPT model. The, the T part is transformer, and the transformer was the monumental breakthrough that happened in 2019, and that transformer model, in the case of large language models, which is what ChatGPT is, the large language model is using semantic analysis, and they're trained on an enormous number, billions and billions and now trillions of words and how the words connect nouns with verbs, those kinds of things. And the transformer, in our case, a good example would be a model that's trained on language, and it it is a generative model, meaning that it's taking a a set of instructions, and it's running it through the pre-trained engine and transforms it to an outcome. So in our case, we could have a conversation that started in English that was translated into Italian or Swahili or Russian. That would be the transformer. And this is a huge part of what GPT models, the large language models are using, is simultaneous translation into hundreds of different languages. So from our standpoint of the the call center industry, it opens, literally an unlimited interface of conversational interface. You know, think Siri, think Alexa. All of this is being trained in these large language models, and it's everywhere. It's in our phones. It's, it's on our uh, dashboards and our cars. It's at home. It's, it's virtually everywhere. And then the UI UX development is all going to be conversational moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's there's the content component where the uh, the model is learning from uh, all of these the billions of inputs that it has. Uh, there's the language component, which for those listening who may have uh, operations in multiple countries, uh, dealing with multiple languages, or even if they're here in the states and have perhaps uh, capabilities for uh, Spanish and for uh, French, and perhaps for other languages as well, will be able to basically rely on this capability to make their, uh, their contact centers multilingual much more easily and much more uniformly in terms of the content that they're giving. Um, so uh, Very, very important. Is there anything else that you'd like to say on that? Uh, otherwise, I'd like to ask you about the evolving role of voice interface.
2: Oh, my gosh, there's just so much we can talk about. You know, we, we could make this several, <laughs> se-
1: several sections. We, we're literally at, at the point of
2: a monumental transformation of everything that we do in the industry. The key part of the GPT aspect is that model is trained on a data set, and that's pretty much fixed. But there's an element to this that's going to be really specific to individual call centers And that's the fine-tuning element, which basically starts with a generic plain Jane recipe, and then you would fine-tune it to the specifics of your particular use case. So whether you're a utility that's supporting the users or whether it's a warranty center or whether it's um, customer service for uh, airline, any of those kinds of things, the specific components, of the use case would then be fine-tuned around the large general-purpose model to be specific to what you're doing. So that's
1: that's the real immediate opportunity that I see moving
2: moving forward.
1: So the the machine learning basically takes in all this information. So think about this: uh, you've got uh, a, a utility, as you mentioned, or you've got um, you know even a tech support center or something like that, and and the Uh, machine understands or will uh, pick up on the things that are being said and will have this enormous database of uh, resources to pull from in terms of coming up with a response so we'll be able to uh, say for instance uh, to a be able to respond to a user of the utility uh, based on what it has understood uh, from the information that it's uh, getting from you and from the information it's pulling out, uh, it will be able to give you a reasoned response to your question and will be able to actually act upon that as well uh, by being yes. properly, um, you know, connected with other parts of the enterprise and be able to push out information. So it really is a sort of multi-layer type of thing. And then uh, in terms of the fine-tuning that you're talking about. Uh, that could you just say a couple more words about the fine tuning that um, you know would be useful important in these cases? So, I think the best way to look at this,
2: uh, Bruce, is like by analogy. Imagine the GPT model as uh, something that you would take off the shelf out of your cupboard, a can of soup, for instance, and you were to put it on the stove, but you wanted to Spice that. The fine-tuning would be the addition that you would add to the already pre-prepared package that you took off the shelf. So if you wanted with uh-huh. more Parmesan cheese and some you know fresh uh, vegetables added to it, some tomatoes or whatever, uh, you could uh-huh. take the core recipe and then fine-tune it to fine-tune. your particular taste uh, and, uh-huh. and whatever your particular use would be.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that could be, uh, you know, keeping in mind if you're a high-touch um, type of center that's dealing with a high-touch uh, type of clientele, then you'll want to spice things up toward that. Uh, right. and Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I love the analogy. It's really good.
2: Yeah. And, 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 and could you talk the, about the... –
1: go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please uh, go ahead. I was,
2: was going to say the, the aspect of spicing it up, is the semantic sentiment. You know, is it neutral? Is it negative? Is it positive? Is it controversial? So if you're in a high-touch contact center environment, you would be fine-tuning looking at the semantics, the word uses that are chosen by the agent, and you're going to analyze the output of that call. Was was a successful call in the the client used certain words, that becomes then part of the trained knowledge that said, hey, we got a great response when we use this word. So if you're in a specific Uh part of the country, for instance – and you wanted to give recommendations for certain types of restaurants, a specific, let's say that you went to Cabo San Lucas in Mexico and you called a call center and wanted recommendations for three or four really good Mexican restaurants in Cabo, then essentially it would pull from that knowledge in that geographic location to give you what that restaurant is known for, maybe pulling from Yelp reviews and and other kinds of data beyond just what we have in the in the immediate uh response library
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, ex- it gotcha. really
2: extends our capability
1: right so just bringing this down to earth for uh the folks listening so there's there's obviously situations where Uh, An interaction could be all agent, if that's what the uh, contact center wants and senior management wants. There's There were uh, situations, uh, second set, where part of it is taken care of by AI and part by the agent. That is where a lot of people are right now, where they try to do as much self-service as possible, but then there's an opt-out to the agent. And uh, over time, we can easily see the self-service becoming better and better so that the need for the opt-out becomes less. And then there's, uh, you know, a third which has mostly AI with a uh, possibility for the agent to get involved as needed, the human being to get involved as needed. And But there is also this melding of the two, that is to say the agent with the machine where uh, the agent still remains very much involved, uh, and there's, in fact, the voice interface and cloning that's concerned that, that, that's involved here. Uh, this is something that some yep. of our listeners may not have heard of yet, and you have uh, actually done. <laughs> okay. Yes, You're I have. Among those people who did it, who did it very early and did it very well, uh, could you talk about that for a second? Yeah, so
2: this is this is all about making the user experience transparent. So if you're a client calling into a call center, and imagine that it's a technical support issue. We've all experienced this. The computer's not working right and, you know, the the agent on the phone goes through the usual thing is it plugged in? Is it turned on? Have you done this? Have you done that? And your response is yes, 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 and yes. And then the the agent would say, I'm going to need to escalate this to the next level. And then you would uh-huh. escalate it to level two. That's the way it's currently been done. What's super exciting about this today, and it's really kind of scary, is what's called deep faking. And a deep fake is where we create a voice clone of the actual agent. So you're hearing my voice today. This, is this the Mark, the voice of Mark Cudray, or is this the cloned voice of Mark Cudray? In fact, what I did is I cloned my voice. I called my wife on the phone and said, hey, I'm working on a new thing. Listen to this. Listen to what I've worked on and let me know what you think. And then I played the voice clone back, And she immediately went in telling me about what she thought I would written, and I said, but how did I sound? She goes, oh, you sounded just fine. It was very well delivered, and it was perfect. I said, was there anything weird about that? And she said, no, nothing. I said, that was a completely cloned voice of me. It was AI reading back a dynamically generated uh, content from our conversation. And so this is where – As we're training the model, and the model is learning from the kinds of issues that are coming in, it's playing back uh, the support. And then when it gets to a point where it can't respond, then it would hand it over to the agent in the same voice that was previously delivering the content. And this is at the individual agent level. So it may be Bob on shift one and Tom on shift two and Amy on shift three, It's the same content, but it's delivered in the voice of the agent that's supporting um, at the escalated level. This has a huge opportunity for continuous coaching for the agents because they're hearing how the conversations are going over and over with a completely compliant model, and then they're handed over when it becomes more difficult uh, and more complex to resolve. That's a good example. And and this
1: also – Right. Well, that's a great example. And, and it also fits in with something that we've been talking about for a long time, which is seamless service. And this is oftentimes referred to in the context of going from one channel to another, right, from, say, an email channel to a voice channel to a uh, chat channel, whatever it happens to be. But in this case, you're actually able to make it seamless in terms of the user experience in terms of how they're interacting with the quote unquote voice or the person that's on the uh, on the phone with, so uh, yeah, I think, think this is you know very very interesting. And as long as the person doesn't have a sore throat when they get on, it should it should sound uh, all the same. So uh, very very interesting stuff. And, well, and uh, to, your, to
2: your Go point, ahead. to your point, Bruce, to your point, this is not limited to voice. They can do this. Absolutely, perfectly with an individual video and deep clone the voice and the person. So the next time you see Biden speaking or Trump speaking, you may not be seeing a real thing. This is what deep faking is all about. And it's one of the things that is so concerning about news and fake disinformation that's in the news everywhere and why they're so concerned about putting guardrails and safety bumpers on the AI development is how do we guarantee that what
1: we're seeing and hearing is truly a
2: human interaction?
1: Right, right. No, very, very uh, concerning and and certainly something that, uh, you know, people are talking about and uh, those lawmakers are talking about, et cetera. And, And actually that brings us to one of the concerns, Around the influence of AI, which is the uh, dehumanizing aspect of it, could you could you elaborate on this a bit? You know,
2: this is one of my favorite aspects
1: here because,
2: again, I'm the way that I deal with innovation uh, for the 50 years that I've been in business is always to go back to the primary academic research on things that were done um, at the theoretical level and the theoretical precedes the actual commercialization and application historically 25 to 100 years in advance. So we see this a lot today with uh, all of the references back to Nikolai Tesla and what he did in the 1890s and the 2000s, and now with quantum computing and what Einstein did in in 1904, 1905. Same thing has happened with, with AI in the standpoint that the very first aspects of where we were heading towards this that I read about was in 40 years ago in 1983 in a book by John Masebitt, and it was called Megatrends. Some of you may have old enough, may have remembered that book. And in one of the aspects of that book, of the 10 megatrends that were evolving as we moved into a technically oriented society, a digitally driven society was high tech high touch that everything we 're driving is uh, a technological influence, but there is an underlying need at the human level to have a high touch component, a human component so from my perspective here is we need to intentionally design the high touch element namely the humanization of what we 're doing uh-huh. otherwise. Um, the automation will just become automatons, and that's kind of the dystopian world that we see uh, so often portrayed around robotics and artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and let me ask you, okay, so another thing is there's sort of a constant drumbeat that AI is going to take the majority of jobs. Uh, Can you provide a broader insight into that? Yeah. This is one of my pet
2: peeves. You know, it's kind of like the glass is half empty or half full. Uh, when you talk yeah. to most people about AI, it's the, 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 the glass is empty and it's shattered on the floor. Uh, that's, that's not my perspective at all. Um, I look at any type of technology from an enabling standpoint. What is this going to enable us to do? And the broader insight, especially in the contact center industry, is how do we create a better user experience? We can use AI to really create an absolutely personalized user experience that feels completely natural, completely welcoming. We hear about diversity, inclusion, and equity, all of these kinds of things. This gives us the opportunity to create something that is ideal from, from a relationship standpoint. That's where I'm focusing my intent and direction. There's no doubt that low-skilled jobs with individuals that have not maintained a learning perspective in life are going to be at risk. Even in the white-collar space of law and uh, engineering and medical you still are going to need human intervention. You can't have pure automation. But there will be, and the the last research that I saw was a study that came out from Pew Research uh, about three weeks ago, and they were saying that in the United States up to 65% of all jobs in all industries are at risk. Whether that comes to fruition, I think it's really up to us as innovators and managers and, um, you know, owners of enterprises to look at the bigger picture of what this enables us to do, not what it takes away from what we're currently doing.
1: Right. Yeah. No, so there's, there's just that, that's where we said at the very beginning, there's a lot to look forward to, a lot to embrace, but a lot of need to be prepared as well. So um, what are some of the overlooked aspects of the non-obvious in all of this? I mean, you've had a chance to sort of pick up the box, turn it over, and think about it for a longer period of time and in a more deep way than most other people. Yeah, so,
2: again, there's tremendous um, opportunity in approaching whatever is presenting itself from a naive perspective meaning that you don't know what you don't know. Uh, As soon as you start inferring your knowledge on what's happening, you create a bias. And I think that this is the the area that we're in right now. Everyone has their own confirmational bias about where they think this is going to go and impact their center or their life or their, you know, the autonomous cars or whatever. They've got this confirmational bias around it. We need to literally step back and and remove our preconceptions and look at it from the standpoint of saying, if we could automate how fast we learn, what would that do for us? There is a huge tendency right now to go for the low-hanging fruit, you know, the chat GPT is about writing emails and writing advertising copy and Facebook ads and, you know, all these different kinds of things, because it's easy to throw stuff out. But if you're a really Uh good writer, it's not going to affect Uh you that much. It's going to speed up your creativity because it's going to deliver a lot of the steps between what you're after. And Uh the – We talked about machine learning earlier. We talked about fine tuning earlier. Uh, The area that's gonna be the biggest and most obvious area of opportunity for us is in the area called prompt engineering. We ask the model or we direct the model to give us an output, right? So write an email for me saying "I'm, I'm busy on May 15th, I can't attend your event so sorry, but thank you for the invitation. It'll write that in a heartbeat. That uh-huh. first element is called a prompt, and engineering the prompt is the sequence of the structure of what you're asking for. So back in the old days, it was garbage in, garbage out. If you programmed a computer with bad instructions, you got bad results. This is no different. It's just more sophisticated. So prompt engineering is is. Knowing what a really good prompt is, and then the uh-huh. extension of that is chaining together multiple prompts for different outputs, and that 's called uh-huh. prompt chaining, and that creates a prompt recipe that you can then save and you know call up as a template and utilize for automating the output and this would be for for call uh, contact centers. This would be a fantastic opportunity for create incredibly personalized um, automation of a response in real time as it's actually happening. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, we're getting toward the end of our uh, time together, but this has been absolutely fascinating. And one of the things that I know is that uh, people are looking for guidance in this area for support and good ideas. And uh, we are looking, as, as Benchmark Portal, to be thought leaders in this area, and we'll be working with uh, groups of uh, contact center managers who want to stay at the forefront of this process going forward, uh, and, but uh, be of help in a very practical, very helpful, but very forward-looking way. And, Mark, one of the things that you do is always say, okay, you have to look five steps in advance, right, five steps ahead. Yep. Yeah. Do you want to just uh, talk about that for a second, and then we'll we'll have Absolutely. to close things we'll, up, unfortunately.
2: No, that's fine. that's perfectly fine. It's a perfect transition right now, and and I'll, I'm going to close by leaving a cliffhanger for the audience. Uh, this <laughs> is the this is the coming attractions. Uh, what I do in my space is I make. Any business in any industry, regardless of how commoditized or price-driven that industry is, I make them competitively unique. And I've been using AI to do this in a way that nobody else has been doing it uh, since 2017, 2018. So there's Uh a lot of experience there. And I'm working with Bruce and Benchmark Portal uh, to reimagine the contact center space in the AI-driven world, and I am thrilled to be part of this and incredibly excited about the opportunities that it brings to us uh, to bring uh, extended life into areas that feel threatened at this point, but we're only threatened because we don't know what's coming.
1: Right, right, and and what's life without a good challenge, right? (laughs) This is definitely a good one. As you said, it's really a – uh, a fire, you know, invention of fire type of change. So it's uh, therefore that kind of a challenge, too. But Mark, listen, this has been great. Unfortunately, we have to end it there, but uh, there's so much more to, to say and to be said. Um, and uh, thank you so much for your, your insights.
2: You're, you're most welcome, Bruce. It's always a pleasure to be with you.
1: Okay, very good. Well, we'd love to hear from our audience on anything that they have to say or any questions that they have, so please do send those in. And uh, with that, I'll turn things over to Alan to wrap things up. Alan?
0: Thanks again to Mark and to Bruce for your insightful discussion on today's on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archived shows on hot topics at benchmarkportal.com then click on resources where you'll click on call talk and you'll find over 14 seasons of this show from all of us at benchmark portal keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready this is alan Pockhutter signing out have a great day